It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please, send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a bunch of college seniors, put them on a train, and have them get killed while a magician performs? Why, you get the film Terror Train. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the last episode of 2017. Can I get a hell yeah? Oh, that's right. You guys can't really talk back to me in this medium, can you? Anyway, we're here to talk Terror Train, one of the few New Year's Eve-based horror movies. Well, it's not necessarily based around New Year's. It just takes place on New Year's. I mean, there's a couple other that we could pick from, uh, but not many, to be honest. Uh, This is just one of the few that happens to have it centered around almost completely New Year's. There's only really maybe three in total that I could say necessarily fit this. And we did the one of them last year with New Year's Evil. And that one is more specifically New Year's because it's in the goddamn title. But here you have a bunch of kids that are celebrating New Year's, both at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film. But it happens to take place all in one of those like... Pleasure trains. I don't know if you've ever been on one of those. They do a lot of them around here, uh, especially in wine country, where you basically get on a train and you drink wine while you ride around in some cases a circle. Other cases they go forward and then they just come back. And this one seems like it's one of those ones that goes around in a circle, I guess. Because they're always moving forward and they never think, Hey, when shit's going down, maybe we should just put this train in reverse and go along the tracks back there. But before we get further into the film, I want to thank uh, CadaverCast. Because they were the original ones who suggested this movie actually last year. Uh, And you can find them on Twitter at CadaverCast, C-A-D-A-V-E-R Cast. It's a really interesting podcast. It's a father and his son talking about horror movies. And the son is quite young. Um, I believe that he might be six now, maybe seven, and I'm terribly sorry if I'm wrong. But it's very interesting to hear his perspective on it. And he also does, like, the dad horror movie of the night and stuff like that. It's a good follow on Twitter, and the podcast is really enjoyable, so please go check them out and they gave that suggestion during the new year's time like i said last year so i decided to keep the movie and save it for this year and even the movie that we're doing next week i almost think i should have saved it for next year but i really want to do that film as well but you'll find that at the end of this podcast and that's what we call a teaser so don't hit that fast forward button okay I mean, I'd really like you to listen to the rest of this podcast before you go to the end to figure out what the movie is going to be for next week, so I should shut the fuck up. 
So what is Terror Train exactly? Is it a slasher movie? Is it a suspense movie? Well, it's classified as a Canadian-American combo slasher movie. And hey, it stars Jamie Lee Curtis. I know, you really want to hear about the character Carney, who's played by Ben Johnson and actually gets top billing over Jamie Lee Curtis for this movie, but I couldn't talk about horror or Scream Queens without talking about Jamie Lee Curtis and how hot she was. She's still pretty hot. You know, she's got the, like, older lady hot, but not like she was back in, like, the 80s here or even back in Halloween when that first came out. So it's amazing that she's not appeared in a horror movie. Well, I haven't done a recent Halloween movie except for the Rob Zombie ones, Uh, but... It's, again, like I say, it's odd that I've never done a movie where she's one of the main stars, or the main star, really, in the film. And so, when looking at this, I was like, okay, uh, slasher, New Year's, on a train, what could possibly go wrong? Well, let's find out. So, the film actually begins with a big, giant bonfire, and there's a bunch of college students that are standing around. This looks to be some type of fraternity, and there's some people there, they're wearing beanies, and other ones are just wearing their fraternity jackets, and I don't remember what college really... Well, I've never really been a part of a fraternity, and whoa, big fucking shocker there. The Terrible Terror's never been a part of a fucking fraternity. Oh, look at him. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, but I, you know, where I went to school, which was University of Santa Cruz in Santa Cruz, California, there really weren't a whole lot of fraternities. I mean, that was kind of a nice thing about the campus. There was some stuff off campus, but for the most part, there wasn't that type of thing because, you know, in my mind, at least what I believe is because there wasn't a whole lot of sports. We had a basketball team that was like, bad and then we had a women's basketball team that was pretty good by women's basketball team standards and that was about it we had like some sports clubs we had a baseball club that did do some competing which is really weird when you think about it and I don't want to get too off like tangent here but it's weird that they have these clubs and then the clubs can represent the school in games like they can go out and play other schools and shit like that but they're not a part of the ncaa division whatever they fucking were i don't know for being a university of california school i think we're like division like 75 where nobody really give a shit about sports on campus nobody really wanted to do sports that went to the school all they cared about was either going to the fucking beach doing computer science or doing marine biology or being like me a fucking literature major so Uh, Needless to say, there weren't a whole lot of fraternities and sororities on campus. So what I'm trying to say here is that University of Santa Cruz, California, good for learning, bad for having fucking fun. Anyway, so these people, they're going and they're having this party, and then we get introduced to some of our main characters, or I should say main fodder, uh, which includes Mo, Doc, Ed, and Jackson. We also get introduced to Kenny, and I guess there's a big thing with the new recruits that have beanies on their heads, okay? So the idea behind that is that those with beanies, by this night, which we'll find out what it's called in a little bit, but they have to have sex to remove the beanie from their head. And Kenny, he still has a beanie. So the guys are gathering around, and they're basically... 
they're doing like a stupid Revenge of the Nerds type thing or a stereotypical frat fucking thing where they're showing off, well, the girl happens to be Jamie Lee Curtis and that's Elena or Alana or where the fuck you want to call it. Uh, because the way that they spell her name in the goddamn credits and the way that they say her name in this, it sounds like they're saying Elena, but I mean, the way that it's spelled in the credits, it's A-L-A-N-A, and I see that as Alana, where E-L-E-N-A is Elena, so I don't fucking know, they can pronounce it the way they want, and I'm just gonna call her fucking Lana or Jamie for the rest of the fucking time, Okay. So Doc here is trying to convince Kenny here, or Kenny, if you want to go that route of pronouncing his name, uh, that Alana, or whatever the fuck her name is, she is interested in him. And that he's going to be losing his virginity tonight because, well, he really doesn't understand why, but of course, she wants to take him to Pound Town. Hey, there she is now. Will you tell me what she sees in you, please? Can you figure this one out here? I mean, now this guy's got some luck, huh? Women are strange, Doctor. Very strange. Right, Ed. Sensitive. He's probably very sensitive. Chicks go for the sensitive fellas, you know. Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind going in your place. Yeah, you would, (laughs) wouldn't you, you devil? You want him to fill in for you, huh? Oh, Francis, this is true love, old man. Boucher Jackson. Look, Elena's nice. Confused, but nice. Hey, there she goes. Now, what do you say, huh? Huh? You trust me? (laughs) Okay. We're going to take good care of you. Come on. Let's go. Oh, yeah, they're going to take really fucking good of Kenny right here because, one, he's a pledge. Two, he doesn't fucking speak. And three, he looks like a fucking nerd. Nerds! Oh, sorry. I, I don't know what came over me there just you know start thinking about those goddamn nerds and how they fucked up oops oh okay leave leave the nerds alone okay you've gotten past that part you're okay (sighs) anyway so they take him up to the house i guess the frat house so that he can go to pound town with elena lana whatever the fuck so while he's traveling over to the house, we cut over and we see Lana and Mitchie. They're talking about how Lana is, you know, really worried about what's possibly going to go on here. We also get to see a glimpse of how Doc is and what type of a dick he is as he talks to Kenny before they go up to the house. Still wearing your beanie, I see, huh? Well, happy new year anyway, buddy. Hey, same to you, Doc. Uh, is that real? The Pope Catholic. I don't know what you're going to do when we get to med school. I'm losing my nerve. I don't even know this guy. Mitchie! You look adorable. I feel like an idiot. You can't chicken out now. Why am I doing this? Because you're the best baby you got around here, honey. Come on, it'll be fun. Fun. You see, she seems a little apprehensive. She knows that she's going to be a part of a prank. This is very obvious, like I said. This is very, like, fucking Revenge of the Nerds type of bullshit that's going on. And so she's... But she's okay with what they're going to do, but... We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Is it going to be a pig in the bed? Is it going to be, you know, a goat? Or is it going to be like a mannequin or something? Or, you know, after Kenny strips down to his yellow, like, are those fucking panties? 
He's wearing these like little yellow like speedo type things, but they don't look like speedos, nor do they look like regular. Was this like 1980s underwear that's going on here? Did men think that that was okay? That those types of like you know underoos are okay? Bright SpongeBob fucking like colored underoos that he's wearing right there. No wonder why he's never gonna get fucking laid. Come on, man. I know that you're not in the current times where people are all, ooh, it's all boxer briefs, but honestly, boxers are much fucking better, much more fucking comfortable if you feel me on this one. But, like, that, it looks like some yellow spandex bullshit that he's got going on. And if I was any type of lady at that time, and that was what you're going to bring into the bedroom with me, I'd probably laugh at you, to be honest. And that would be embarrassment enough. Have everybody break in and laugh at him because, hey, look, he's wearing, like, five-year-olds fucking underoos they might as well have fucking he-man on the side of them or some shit or skeletor on one ass cheek and cringer on the other fucking ass cheek he-man on the fucking cock okay little boy pants that's what they look like little boy fucking underoos uh i don't know why that makes me mad but it does wear some real fucking underwear okay You're, you're trying to get laid wear something nice and make sure it has no stains you'll be good so Jamie Lee Curtis, she sits over in the corner and she calls to Kenny. She says, in a very, like, wispy type voice, Come over here. It's okay. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me. And he does. He comes over onto the bed. And then he gets closer and closer to what it is. And he's about to lean in and kiss. And that's when, all of a sudden, he notices that the girl in the bed, like, falls apart. Literally, they put a corpse in the bed. Now, one that's fucked up that's really fucked up and it doesn't help that the guys come running in of course laughing at the same time oh yeah look at the fucking nerd you get what you get don't you you fucking nerd oh no no don't don't have flashbacks don't have flashbacks remember there were no fucking frats up there you weren't a fucking nerd you didn't hear this shit when you were doing this okay you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be saying this on the goddamn podcast but anyway let's get back to the fucking movie okay just calm down fucking over nerds okay okay so of course poor kenny he starts freaking out and he's in one of those like princess beds i think they're called you know i don't really know what the bed is actually called okay and if i did well who fucking cares but it's one of the ones that has like posts on it and then it's got drapes right it if you want to think of a bed think about deathbed the bed that eats the one that's in that movie that is the one that's like basically the style of bed that I'm talking about here, okay? So he gets up, and just like Sailor Moon, you know, turning into Sailor Moon, I don't remember the fucking character's name, she starts spinning like crazy and gets caught in all the draped linens on the top of the bed. And when everybody's in there laughing at him, slowly but surely he ends up like choking himself or something. Uh, Lana, she's over there in the corner, she's all fucking, like, freaked out because she didn't know what was going to be in the bed, and it's actually really hilarious because the person that plays the corpse in the bed gets a credit at the end of the movie during the credits, and it's called Corpse, that's, that's who she is, and when you look up her IMDB, like, the picture for her is that corpse, and that's what's, like, one of her top film, like, roles is Corpse. It's really ridiculous. Uh, I can't believe that that's the role that you decided that you were going to take. And you were going to lead on for a long period of time. Of course, you could have just done it for the money. Hey, must be the money, right? So we then flash forward a couple years later to when everybody now is going to be getting ready to party for another New Year's Eve. And they're all going to be going on a train ride. 
And this is being paid for by Mo, who is now with Lana. And we get to see everybody again now that four years have passed and everything is, you know, hunky-dory and everybody's gotten okay from whatever happened before. It seems like nobody fucking remembers what's going on. And, of course, this is going to be the last big party that they have before they graduate. Hey, now this is what I call a party. I, I like to propose a toast. Ridiculous! That's not toast, my good man. Oh, no. Shut up, man. It's a real honor hosting with you guys. I mean that. My last big college party. But it's gonna be the best! Hey! To four really great years. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I realized I said something before it happened and I didn't think about it right away, but... This is New Year's Eve, right? And that's when they're doing this party. And he's talking about, this is going to be my last big college party. Who the fuck graduates on, like, around New Year's and Christmas time? Of course, if they're graduating early, I get it. But for the most part, most standard people fucking graduate, like, on time in fucking June. Unless you're some type of, like, smart motherfucker that just, oh, I can get through college really quick, but you've been here for four years, but you really haven't had college for four years, right? It's really like three and a half. So shouldn't you be saying at this point, if you're leaving early, hey, it's been a great three and a half years. I can't wait to graduate and get away from all of you fucks so that I can have my own fucking career. Then there's Ed. And Ed, sadly, is only in the film for a little bit of time. And that motherfucker right there has jokes on jokes on jokes, which is represented by this clip here. So as you see, he's going to be the comedic entertainment, especially for the rest of the movie, because we're going to need laughs that happen at a mile a fucking minute, right? Well, no, unfortunately, while everybody's here now getting on the train, they basically kill off Ed in the most nonchalant way ever. It's really, really odd. Like, he goes through and he makes those jokes, right? And really you feel like, especially since he's dressed up like Groucho Marx, that he's going to be around for quite a bit. Well, he's doing all of these jokes while also we get to meet our conductor. Uh, and I don't know if you want to call him the main hero of the movie, but he's definitely one of the ones with a more level head on his shoulders because he is the older gentleman, I guess, amongst a sea of youth uh, for this New Year's Eve party that's going to be going on. He has a scene with a lady named Maggie. And it's, I don't want to say it's a weird scene, but it's something that necessarily didn't need to be in the film. Like, basically, it's giving you a little bit of foreshadowing of what's going to come uh, later on in the film. You may have some weather, but the fellow who came through at six said the track was clear. Try and see they don't tear it apart. With a party like that, I'm always afraid some kid's going to hurt himself. Maggie, I wish to hell they'd put a radio on that train. What if one of those kids got drunk and fell off? 
I've been talking on that for two years. Belknap always puts the kibosh on it. He says, we ain't Amtrak, we're just a little old excursion train. <laughs> you ought to be here tonight. You like riding herd on a flea circus. So what's very odd about the scene is the fact that Maggie, she's in a wheelchair, and then she does a little bit of wheelchair-like ballroom dancing with her conductor here. And when we get away from this scene, and like I said, that scene is basically for foreshadowing for the fact that they don't have a radio that can contact anybody back at the station, I guess, when shit starts going down, right? But when we get back from this, then all of a sudden, Ed is dead. Basically, like, he's walking through... And everybody's like, all right, come on, we're getting on the train. Everybody get on there. Ed, come on, everybody get on there. Let's go, Ed. And he's clenching his gut, and he's stumbling around. And everybody's, even one guy looks at him and says, hey, uh, uh, that's good acting. And then when everybody's on the train, he turns around, and he's got a fucking sword through him. Like, it's through his front and then poking out of his fucking back to the point that he falls over and rolls underneath the train. And then somebody comes and takes his Groucho Marx mask and gets on the train. Uh, And you also then see the train start to take off and fucking roll over his body. Like, it's the most random thing. And the guy that you would think would be the, you know... uh, comic relief i guess for the film even though he wasn't really funny uh he's just fucking dead that's it that's the last you ever see of ed and everybody continues on with their little uh you know new year's eve excursion uh, on the trains into the wild to where they're going to get drunk and maybe fuck on a train well we kind of all know where this is going right now back inside the train everybody's kind of getting settled in and we meet Mitchie once again who is with Lana basically you know when they fucked over Kenny with the corpse and they're talking and there's one girl that comes up and says oh well congratulations on graduating early okay I get it people graduate early uh but again fucking say it's been a great three and a half years not fucking four because you haven't been in college for four fucking years okay unless you started early then I'll give you fucking leeway but to my knowledge everybody starts start at the same fucking time especially if somebody's congratulating somebody else that you're graduating fucking early but anyway so they're talking and they're basically like oh my god i'm gonna miss you oh i'm gonna miss you too you're like my greatest friend and it's really fucking boring and that's really the first like 30 minutes of this movie it sums it up pretty well it's pretty fucking boring until shit actually starts going We also then kind of go around to other parts of the train and we see different things that are going on. Uh, And one of the things that we do get to experience is weird train talk between all the people that are helping to run this train while all the other people are partying on it, right? So you have the conductor, you have the brake engineer, you have the guys that are shoveling coal and doing, I guess, the braking of it, not necessarily like running the train. It's weird. I always thought the conductor was the one that was like, oh, I'm the one that like pulls the levers and shit like that and tells him where to go but the guy never actually does any of that stuff he's got another guy that does it but they start talking about rvs and oh i'm gonna be part of the train system you're gonna see me driving one of these trains one of these days i don't know it's weird i 
don't know why this is included in here other than to fucking pat it because it really does nothing. It basically gives me like a lethal weapon, like Danny Glover type of vibe. Like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm going to be retiring soon and getting out of here. And I'm building that extra part of my house to make sure I prepare for my retirement. I'm only a couple days away and I don't need to be here anymore. That's what it sounds like is kind of going on. Like, he's like, well, when you're in your RV, I'll be doing this. And, but Why? What importance does this have to the rest of the fucking movie? None. None of it comes up anymore. I don't get it, but it's just to add a couple extra minutes to the story. Then, of course, we get to meet the true star of this film. And who is the true star of this film? Why, it's none other than the magician. Who is it played by? It's played by the one and only David Motherf and Copperfield. It's a rotten crowd. Listen to him. Well, it beats a six-year-old's birthday party. I have to have a quiet when I do my illusions. You know, pays better too. Hey, I thought you said you'd played fat parties before. They're not gonna watch. Ah, uh, they'll watch. Go out and do some close-up magic. Warm them up. I'm not ready. Okay, now I'm going to say this right here, right now, for this film. He is one of the best actors in this film. He, and I believe it's because he does his illusions. Like, they needed to get somebody in here, and we need to get somebody that knows magic, maybe hasn't acted. Do you really want to be a part of this film? Because we need somebody we can't think of our own things to do. And instead of you maybe being like a, a supervisor or a consultant on how to do the magic, just fucking act in the movie and do your own fucking tricks. And... One, the tricks are pretty cool, and two, he does a pretty good job. I'm very fucking surprised. Uh, His assistant, terrible, terrible. She's barely in this fucking thing. She looks awful. It's awful. I I just don't get it. But him, hey, looks good, acts well, does a good job. I mean, the two, well, three best actors in the whole movie are the guy that plays the conductor, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and David fucking Copperfield. I don't get it. It's just the way that it worked. Everybody else is just kind of either blasé or overdoing it or, oh, I'm the stereotypical college girl. And that gets annoying after a while, but it's actually those scenes with him in it, they're pretty entertaining, to be honest with you. Uh, So we also go now back to the back end of the train, and we see that there are a couple of new pledges, and they're talking with Doc, Jackson, and Moe, and they're explaining on what this night used to be called, what New Year's Eve used to be called back in the day. Hog night, children. Hog night. Hog night. That's right. That's what they used to call it. Big bonfire. And all the pledges had to get laid. It's true. They had to abolish it. Something happened one year and they had to kick a whole bunch of guys out of school. Well, almost kicked out. <laughs> Christ, did we do that? You're the guys? Oh, no, it wasn't us. It must have been somebody else. Yeah. Look. It was supposed to be a simple joke, and it sort of got out of control one year, that's all. Just forget about it. You want to know what really happened? Doc, please drop it. We were freshmen. All right, it's Christmas vacation, and I got a job at the medical center, practically a janitor. So, I go into this lab one night that's unlocked, and there's this lady there, poor soul, who'd just fallen apart. Yeah, literally. Now, I promised these dorks I was going to come up with something truly special. Yeah, really special. Put a kid in the hospital. Oh, I'm sorry, did I ruin your punchline? You tell them. You were there, remember? 
So, of course, Lana here, she gets mad at Doc because she doesn't like the way that he does things and that she was used for that little prank that he pulled back in the day on Kenny. We go again and have some more random RV train talk that goes on. And then we cut over to Mitchie, who thinks that she's running to Ed because he's, you know, the, whoever this person is, is wearing the Groucho Marx mask. Now, granted, he or whatever it is inside the mask, could be a she, is not the same height as Ed. Doesn't look anything like Ed looked pretty portly and definitely sounded Jewish. This guy is not talking at all. And it's just because of the mask. Like, how do you not realize that this guy is not proportionate to the guy that you know? Like, seriously, if one of my friends had come over to me and, you know, before the whole thing started, I knew exactly who he was dressed as. He's dressed as fucking Goku, okay? And he's gone into Super Saiyan mode, so he's got the gold hair, and he's all, like, buffed out and everything like that, and he keeps yelling about fucking Taco Tuesday for some fucking reason. He doesn't appreciate Taco Tuesdays, and I don't understand why. But when all of a sudden we go over, and later on I found out that, you know, I haven't found out, let's say, but he's been killed off by the train killer, even though I know that he would probably kill the guy, uh, but... When we get to that point that all of a sudden Super Saiyan Goku shows up next to me and he's like five foot five, he's not really buff, and he doesn't really look anything like my friend, and I still go, Oh, hey, you! Uh, that's great! It's you! Like, I'm a fucking dumbass and deserve to be fucking killed! This is fucking ridiculous! Like, how do you not know that that isn't Ed? I get it when another thing is done later on in the film because the way the costume is. Okay, makes sense. And that guy and the person that, you know, of course, everybody knows right now this is the killer in the costume, okay? And when when that happens at that point, they're about proportionate. I get it. And everything is completely hidden. Here, it's just a mask over the face. Like, you can tell from the rest of his fucking body that that is not your friend Ed. You deserve to be stabbed in the fucking neck because you're so fucking stupid. Oh. Anyway, from here, he follows her down as she's going towards the, the back car to go meet up with Doc and Mo and Lana. And instead, he tries to push her into a bathroom. But he's not able to because Jackson comes right at the last minute. And then... She goes on, and he ends up getting Jackson, and because Jackson's so drunk at this moment, he ends up getting him to the bathroom instead, and slams Jackson's face into the mirror, killing him. Uh, I should also mention that Jackson at this time is dressed up as the creature from the Black Lagoon, in one of the worst creature from the Black Lagoon costumes I've ever fucking seen in my life. I mean, if there was something like... You know, you want a five-year-old to get one from the dollar store so that way you don't have to pay a whole lot of money to dress them up as, like, Dracula and it's a really shitty paper cape. Well, this is a really shitty, like, paper mache creature from the Black Lagoon thing that he's got going on here. So, he kills Jackson and he goes off. We go into the back car and we see that Doc and uh, Lana and them, they're all talking and Doc spills the beans on who actually had the idea for this party. Hey, Mitch. I may have to marry him after all. Marry me. <laughs> it was my idea. Aw, oh, Doc. I cannot tell a lie. I'm sorry, buddy. It got stuck in my throat. I thought you said it was your idea. Look, I know I suggested letting her think otherwise. Well, that's real generous of you. Well, thank you. Is he the one who's paying for all this? Oh, no. Those are the one with the bread. I've got all the ideas. For instance, 
Guess what I put in the stuff I gave those dorks. You asshole. You can't have a good time without hurting somebody, can you? Is that why you told me it was your idea? Because I said I'd never go to another one of his fucking parties. Elena, they're always walking out on my parties. But this time, you can't. Okay, why would you do that to your friend? Like, this guy has the weirdest fucking sense of humor. He's biggest dicks that I've ever seen, well, recently in one of these fucking movies. I mean, we've had some pretty big dicks on this podcast before, but this guy is, like, being mean just to be fucking mean. Like, to, he's gonna kick out of the fact that he's gonna ruin their fucking relationship. Or, maybe in reality, he really just wants to be with Mo, and he wants to just be him and Mo because she's a fucking wet blanket, and she won't go along with all the little pranks that he has to do. And then now we believe that Lana here, she's the good one because she didn't know what's going on, even though she was going on with the prank. Like, she was still cool with, like, all right, let's do a prank on this poor little kid and make fun of him. But at the same time, it was like, because it was so extreme, all of a sudden she got a fucking conscience about it. Like, I know she said that I'm, I don't even know the guy, so I'm a little apprehensive. But at the same time, you still went fucking through with it. Like, you still went out there, and you still fucking drew him into the room, and you got him into the bed. You did everything that you were going to do to this fucker, and then all of a sudden, now you fucking regret everything. It You're just as bad as the rest of them, but we're meant to feel a little bit sorry for her, because she really didn't know it was going to be that bad in total. So Lana storms out of there, and Mo goes ahead and falls her, and tries to basically reason with her. And that's where we get to witness some of the magic of David Copperfield's performance in this film. Now, I am going to play you this clip, but be mindful. You need to go back into the movie and watch this. It's about 25 minutes into it, at about the 25-minute mark, almost 26-minute mark, because he does a trick. Now, I'm playing the audio from it. Because it's still kind of cool to hear what they did. And really, it doesn't have a whole lot of like impact on the movie. Other than, hey, we got a cool magic trick that's going on. And you kind of get to hear David Copperfield in his young days explain like or, or go through the whole process of his trick. Which I think is still pretty fucking cool. So, without further ado, let's listen to The Magician. A magician? What a great idea. Come on. Thank you. There's a ton of peanuts. They're not hot. <laughs> They're not hot. Excuse me. Uh, could I borrow that coin you have there? Yeah. Watch this. I take your cigarette and hold it up to your quarter. It'll seem to be sticking to it. Just like that. And if we keep turning it, it'll look like the cigarette's penetrating the quarter just like that. Could you, uh... Take this lighter here and uh, light it up. It'll give you cancer. It's for effect. It's okay. Okay. You may have relatives in the old country. <laughs> this is the best part of all. If we take the cigarette and start to remove it, the quarter will seem to um, seal itself up. Oh, great. great. Thank you. Have you ever seen a quarter that... Um, Allows a cigarette to go through it? No. Well, there's no such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now what about my peanuts? I've got that taken care of. Then he goes over to the peanut machine and he has to, like, get a bunch of peanuts out of it. 
it's honestly a pretty good trick and i know that this is a movie and i'm I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a big fucking sucker for magic, okay? Fucking that Penn and Teller show, uh, Fool Us, is like one of the greatest fucking shows, and I could watch just YouTube clips of that shit, of them trying to fool them, and I get fooled every time trying to figure it fucking out. So, like, maybe that's why I like David Copperfield in this movie so much, and I'm so fucking biased, because I'm like, man, the tricks that he does in this film are really fucking cool, and they look like, like, not necessarily movie tricks, like... Some of them, like, the, this quarter scene kind of does. Because you can notice that the film kind of pauses a little bit in between. It's not very noticeable, but if you're paying attention to it, and more on the second time that I went and I watched it to get the audio for this, uh, it really, like, I was like, okay, so that's kind of movie magic. But the end of it, it's only in the front part of it where he puts the... Uh, the cigarette through the quarter at first do you kind of notice it but when he pulls it out you don't really notice it so so it's a it's actually a very enjoyable scene in one of my favorite parts of this fucking movie in fact if david copperfield just did a movie about all about magic like oh god no that's what those now you see me movies are isn't he in like both of them uh that's kind of those movies are terrible but then again, those movies are over the top. So if you had a practical met, oh no, not that movie. That's not a very good movie. Don't 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 ever think about the movie Practical Magic, okay? Just forget I ever said that movie even fucking exists. Anyway, so if he did a movie where he was like a demon magician, then it would be really fucking cool, and I think I would love the shit out of that fucking movie. So then we get a scene of the conductor, basically, he wants to go back and see the magician as well, because he's really into magic, even though everybody knows that conductors, they can't do fucking magic, okay? You fucking suck at it. And we cut back over, and we see that Lana is still mad at Mo for the fact that Doc is basically kind of controlling what he does, and that he lied to her, saying that he was the one that had the idea about getting the train, when in fact, he wasn't the one that had the idea. Hey, remember me? Alina, yeah, <laughs> come on. I said I was sorry and I meant it. It was stupid to let you think it's it was my idea. <laughs> what would you mind telling me why you're so upset? Let him set you up again. Mo, you're worth ten of him. Just because you belong to the same stupid fraternity. Hey, hey, I happen to like this fraternity, okay? You don't get it. You have no idea what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, yes, I do. I understand, Alina. You have just never forgiven him for setting you up with Kenny in the frat house. You've always got to be little Miss Perfect. Just because he gets Look, you in trouble... I'm not going to sit here and listen to you cover Alina, please. I know Doc can be a jerk sometimes. I'm not stupid. Doc's my friend. You don't need an enemy, then. She really does have a point, though, if you really think about it. The guy's a pretty big fucking dick. I mean, he is controlling of him. He's doing this shit to fuck with his friend, his so-called friend, so-called best fucking friend. Like, would it be cool of me to go ahead and start talking about a friend's dirty fucking laundry on this, like, podcast? Like, making fucking jokes in here that refer to shit that's going on with them telling everybody that this is going on because I think it's fucking funny. No, it would also be fucking wrong of me to go through and like, hey, look, 
we just want to have a good night. Like, my buddy comes up to me, I just want to have a good night. I want her to be a part of this, but I know it's a little white lie saying that I'm the one that came up with it. But just don't fucking say anything, okay? It would be really cool if you didn't, so that way we can all enjoy a good night together. Because I want to be with my best friend, because the last time I might be able to see him before the end of the year. But he's not graduating early, only Lana is. And I want to spend time with her before she goes away, because so it's like the best of both worlds, dude. Like, just fucking don't say anything. Can you not be a dick for one fucking second? And then my buddy's like, yeah, sure. And then he goes, oh, well, duh, you know, he, he didn't want me to tell you, but it was all my idea, so I should be totally doing this. And then, like, and then I'm totally like, oh, you know, but he's my friend so i'm just gonna let him keep doing uh the whole thing you know just let him go on and be a dick because i really love my fraternity and i really love my friendship with him and even though he's a fucking asshole uh i'm gonna totally just kick it with him you either gotta do two things with this right either don't have friends like that and then when they do shit like this automatically kick him to the curb because it's probably gonna get you killed one of these days so now we see mitchie and doc going up towards the front towards the magician and they run to conductor and the conductor proves to them that yeah conductors can't do fucking magic and i've told you that they can't do that shit while everybody else is enjoying the magic show we see that mo is kind of sitting on by himself and doc comes up to him and wonders where the hell is everybody hey where is everybody watching the magician well where the hell are jackson and ed i don't know hey wait a minute we didn't hire a magician well, maybe somebody else had a good idea for a change, hmm? I want to see what he does. Mwah! Isn't she adorable? <laughs> she's still mad? Yeah, she's still mad. She'll get over it. You know, Doc? I'm not so sure this time. So he realizes that he may have fucked up by having Doc as a friend. Well, not really. He may have fucked up by just not telling her the truth right away. And maybe that was another thing he should have done up front. Just been like, hey, we're going to go to this thing. I really want you to go. Can you please put up with him just for this little bit of time so that I can enjoy my New Year's with both you and him? And fucking compromise or some bullshit like that. And then you tell him later on, I'm going to take you on your own little fucking little private vacation. That's just the two of us. I don't know. He's fucking rich. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Ah, uh, anyway, so they all watch, you know, Copperfield's presentation, which is kind of cheesy, but still entertaining enough, and really looks like, again, he did his own stuff, like, he brought in his own fucking illusions and did some of them in front of them. Everybody genuinely that is watching him, that is an extra, looks like they're really actually enjoying the show, so hey, you get to act for a little while, and then you get a free magic show from David Copperfield. That's a fucking win-win right there. The other thing, if you didn't notice it right away, was the fact that Doc said, we didn't hire a magician. So now here is the start of what the guessing game is. And come on, you got to understand where maybe the killer is coming from this point in the film. And there are some other things that are going to kind of try to lead you astray. But you should be able to figure it out, if not by now, but by later on in the film. Uh, maybe not by now, but you could kind of guess where they're going to go and how the killer is going to be revealed. Now, from here, we see that Lana and Mitchie, they're talking to the dates from Jackson and Ed, and they're like, I can't believe that we can't find either of them. Jackson's somewhere else on the goddamn train, and she knew that he was there because he came with her, but 
Ed's date, I think her name is Pet, she really doesn't know where Ed is and doesn't even know if he got on the train. So Lana and Mitchie decide to go maybe looking around to see what's going on, and they run into the conductor, and so Lana decides to ask him, hey, did everybody actually make it onto the train? Wait a minute. Excuse me. One of my girlfriends thinks her boyfriend was left back at the platform before we left. Oh, I don't think so. Not if he came with you all. Platform was clear. You know, they might have, they might have switched disguises. You know, it'd be hard to tell. Talk about Ed. Yeah, he's here. I saw him. He's in the Groucho costume. He's here. Yeah. I'm sorry. False alarm. It's all right. So okay, she still doesn't remember that that in fact was not their friend Ed. But of course. I don't want to say it's because she's a blonde. She doesn't realize that that's fucking wrong, but it's kind of the reason why. Uh, now we go back over and we see that the boys are talking to the two girls of Ed and Jackson. And they're basically, well, Doc is being a fucking dick horn dog to them. These girls look faint. Can we do anything to revive them? I don't know. Maybe some kind of injection? You girls better come back to the consulting room with us. We may have to do an exploratory. Yeah, you sure you guys have had any experience? Experience? Us? Oh, come on. Tell him, Doc. We got experience. Mo and I worked in an emergency gynecological mm. ward last summer. Really? Yeah, that's right. Doc won an award. Best pap smear in a supporting role. Come on. <laughs> well, no wonder you want to hang out with fucking Doc, man. You're a fucking asshole, too. Like, really, your lady just fucking is mad at you, and you decide, well, it's not going to work anymore, so I might as well go fuck some drunk chick who happens to be my friend's girl at the same time. And so they go back into the end of the car. They run into the conductor again, who's trying to figure out who exactly is in that bathroom that's along the corridor there. See, people have tried to use it, but it's locked, because, of course, Jackson's dead fucking body is in there. And he's got a master key, so he's able to open the door, and then, bam, he sees Jackson laying dead on the floor and blood is fucking everywhere. He runs to the back to talk to some of his crew where he kind of has a little bit of a breakdown but it's more or less like he wants to calm his nerves because he's never really seen a dead body like that before. You got something to put in this? Are you sick? There's a boy dead back there. He's in the sleeper toilet. He must have I don't know what happened. I, I just don't know. No doubt you're right. Well, he's dead, all right. I never saw anybody so dead as that. I got to sit down, Charlie, for a minute. Will you watch that car while I call Walter? Of course. So the other guy runs over and blocks people from going into it while the conductor here, he goes and calls and he says, you know, you need to watch where everything's going. Just be on alert uh, that something's going on. And if we need to stop, we need to stop. And he goes back over to the the toilet area when they block some people with, I think, uh, a guy and a girl trying to, you know, maybe get something going on with the bathroom there. But they get kicked out, and then when the conductor comes over, he gets ready to show the other guy what exactly is in there and how bad the damage is in the bathroom. What the hell? There was blood there before. I could have sworn it. Something's happened. 
Some kind of practical joke. Dead drunk, that's what he is. So, of course, there's the killer once again, and now he has changed costumes to pretend to be the drunk version of Jackson. But at the same time, there was a shitload of blood that was in that bathroom. And I mean a lot of blood all over the place. So in the time that it took him to go back to the the whatever their car is, the employee car, we'll call it. And then for the other guy to come over there and block people from coming in it, he was able to dispose of the body clean the whole fucking bathroom and then get into the costume in time and lay on the ground getting ready for them to fucking show up. That is ridiculously fast. I think this again, this is the fucking flash that's killing everybody on this fucking train, man. Cause being able to do that in that amount of time, it's I, in the movie time, it's only a couple minutes. So imagine in real time, maybe it's 10, but to clean it up that good, like that bathroom looks fucking pristine to basically call the conductor a liar to throw him off your case you have to be the fucking flash you've got to be able to clean this in no fucking time it's either that or you're using fire and a lot of fucking fire like this is the fucking thing or something like that going in there and just burning up the blood really really fast to chip it off and get it fucking out of there it makes no sense i understand that if you've got a tandem team maybe you can do it if this was some I don't know, crazy underground like fucking lab where blood's fucking everywhere and you have people that just go in there and clean it real fast. That's great. You've got two people, three people do it. I get it. But it's one killer. He's able to get rid of the body. Where'd the body fucking go? What'd you do? Throw it out the fucking window? It's not there anymore. Did you put it in a fucking closet? Did you put it in a fucking bed? Where's the fucking body? How do you get rid of it that fucking fast? It makes no sense to me. Like... Okay, I get it. I get what you want to do, but maybe show me, just show me a second of him pulling the body out and putting it somewhere where nobody's going to find it. Or shit, just open up one of the side doors or or going in between the connecting cars and tossing them underneath the fucking train because they're not going to notice if there's a bump or anything like that. They didn't even notice when they ran over fucking Ed in the beginning of the movie and tore him in half with the fucking train. Like nobody knew what was going on. It, and, and nobody could call them if they found that fucking dead body at that point either because they don't have a fucking radio on the goddamn train because their owner is a piece of shit. Oh, man, this could have all been stopped if they had a radio on the train. You realize that. that that The whole thing, it's like nowadays with cell phones and shit. They all got to fucking go out. Well, this train just happens to not have a fucking radio because their boss is too fucking cheap to not have one. Oh. So anyway, Mitchie comes by, thinks that it's Jackson. Again, this one I can kind of understand a little more because he's got the whole full body costume and you can't tell if it's a black guy in there or not. I get it. But if he had any part of him that was visible, well, even with the eyes though, the eyes, you can tell that it's a white person underneath there and not a black person, but it's just because the mask shifts a little bit when he's doing stuff. And that's probably just something that's going on with the film. They tried to cover it up a little better, but they really couldn't. So I'll forgive him for that, for the most part. And the fact this time, I can also forgive Mitchie for realizing that that's not Jackson. 
So she takes him back to his bed, well, her bed, and tries to convince him to come up there. And that's when they hear Doc and Jackson's girl coming down the hallway. And she tries to get him and sneak him up into her bed at the last minute, which she does. And, of course, then she decides that, hey, you know what would be a good time to be? It'd be a good time to be a fucking whore. (laughs) You old faker. (laughs) Jackson's with another girl. I know it. You and Mitchie, you know, you have an understanding. But this is a first for us. Could be a first for us, too. (laughs) Right? Like, uh... You and I have never really gotten to know each other, and, uh... Could be our last chance. Right, DJ? So he ends up like bringing a hand on on her and it turns out to be the severed hand. He was able to fucking cut him up too in that mother- that amount of time? Are you fucking kidding me? This is fucking ridiculous. Like that's fucking Jackson's hand, okay? Cuz it's a black hand, not because it's decomposing or anything like that. It's a fucking African American person's hand. That's what's there. So he had enough time, this killer, or she, or whoever the fuck it is, okay? Could be a fucking rodent for all I know, the way that this movie's fucking going. But enough time to clean up the bathroom, chop off at least a hand, which would lead to more blood, unless he bled out completely, but he would have only bled out from his fucking face, or the fact the blood congealed in that amount of time to the point that it's not fucking flowing out of the body or anything then dispose of the fucking body get dressed use it as a fucking fake hand to convince this lady that's trying to sleep with him because she's got an open relationship with doc which in and itself is okay but it makes you realize why doc is such a fucking asshole about relationships and shit like that and get get away Get away with it all. Everything. He He's not fucking caught at this point. It makes no sense. It's like he's a fucking magician or something. Oh, boy. So he puts the severed hand onto her chest. She freaks out. He grabs her by the face, and then he kills her. Uh, it's not a very satisfying kill, but he does nonetheless, and Michi is now dead. We then go over and we see that David Copperfield is being the Mac Daddy that he is and he's picking up on Lana using a smooth fucking magic move to actually get her attention to give her a rose uh, because he thinks, man, that is something I've got to be with. And be honest, at this point in time, yeah, that's something i got to be with too. And then all of a sudden, middle of nowhere, out comes Doc to ruin Moe's good time. See, Moe was left with Pet back in the room and of course, Doc probably being jealous of the fact that Jackson's girl doesn't want to do anything with him and just wants to find Jackson. Meanwhile, Mo is getting it on with Pet, Ed's girl. Uh, well, he's not really getting it on. She's, you know, throwing herself at him. Uh, he decides that he's going to tell Lana, well, not what's going on, but hey, you know, he wants to say he's sorry in person. Mo's waiting for you. He said to tell you he's sorry, and so am I. You seen Mitchie? I thought she was with you. I must have missed her. Anyway, go talk to the guy. He doesn't want to argue. Thanks. 
Yeah, okay, go talk to him. He doesn't, I'm really sorry that I did all this stuff. But guess what? I'm totally going to fuck with his good time. So she goes back to talk with Mo, and then we see Mo and Pet. And Pet is slowly fucking just taking it all off. And I thought to myself, man, are we finally going to get something? And I'm like, oh, no, it's side boob. Then she turns around and it's full boob. So, hey, there you go. You got your boobs for the movie, and you got your rated R move rating for the film uh, for 1980. Well, I don't think there was an R rating at this time, to be honest with you. Um, I think you just got a uh, cautionary tale. No, there would have been an R rating at this time. There wouldn't have been a PG-13 rating, which this movie might have gotten, to mind you, if it was made today, even though... If it was made today, it probably wouldn't be R because there was a boob. But they figure a way not to show the boob because the rest of it is pretty much fucking PG-13. Anyway. So, uh, we also get to see really funny scenes of David Copperfield, uh, his magician character, proving Doc wrong. And basically Doc's like, oh, I know how you're doing your trick. And then he does all these tricks and he totally wows the audience. And he doesn't realize, you know, or, or Doc can't figure out exactly how everything is being done. He does a really cool card trick where he throws a knife into the, like, covered cards and is able to actually pull the card that he had been thinking of or that he had picked or whatever it was. And, it, again, this would be great in just watching a fucking magic show. And I'm totally enthralled during these scenes in the fucking movie. Back in the sleeper car, the conductor runs across Mitchie's body and realizes that people are actually dying on this train, and the last one that he thought was just a fluke happens to actually be real. Uh, he sees the shoe, and then he goes over, uh, well, he runs actually into Lana, and he says to her, hey, whose shoe is this? And she's like, oh, it's Mitchie's. I'll just go give it back to her and goes back to the car. Because originally, she, of course, was trying to go back and talk to Mo because Mo was supposed to say that he was sorry to her face. And instead, uh, she tries to go back to where Mitchie is, but, you know, the conductor takes her all the way to the back of the car. We see that Mo and Pet, he's trying to get Pet to put her clothes back on and to hide the fact that, you know, she's coming back. Uh, and so that way Lana doesn't see him with her, and then she ends up passing by the whole thing, and Mo gets out scot-free, at least for the moment. Meanwhile, we see the conductors taking uh, Lana back to basically where all the employees normally hang out, and explains to her that Mitchie is dead. Mitchie? Mitchie? Let's sit down. Now just wait a minute. Something happened to her? She didn't fall off the train, did she? No, ma'am. Now listen to me, honey. She's dead. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And so she runs off, going to where Mitchie was supposed to be sleeping. He tries to stop her, but he's not really able to. And she gets over to the bunk and sees that Mitchie is actually dead because the killer this time doesn't have enough time to clean up this body. He was okay cleaning up the last one and hiding his tracks, but you know, now what? Who gives a fuck? He just doesn't have enough time to clean up this body for some fucking reason. So, of course, she wonders to the conductor what kind of person would do this to her. Who did that to her? Probably some kid messed up on dope, alcohol. I know these people. They wouldn't do that. No, of course not. Probably some nut just climbed on the train. I saw her half an hour ago with a fella. Falling down. Drunk. 
Sweet Jesus. Hey, maybe you can blame it on the uh, 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 alcohol, but don't blame it on the fucking dope. All that's going to make them do is be more wild at fucking David Copperfield's magic tricks and hungry for more of those fucking peanuts that you got in the front car. Man, I would fucking kill for some peanuts right now. Those would taste so fucking good. Anyway, so we go back and we see that Copperfield is performing more tricks, and this time he's got his assistant there. And he makes her disappear at one point into it. Mo comes in and he sits right down next to Doc, and Doc is like, man, I can't believe this fucking magician, whatever kind of bullshit. And they watch the rest of the performance where all of a sudden she shows up, because he made her actually disappear earlier in an earlier trick, and he's like... And if you don't remember where my magician, my assistant is, I'm going to bring her back. And he switches spots with her and he shows up in the back of the room. And then he realizes, Doc realizes that there's something wrong with Mo. And it's because Mo starts slowly slumping over next to him. He grabs him after he realizes that he's bleeding and runs to the back of the train all the while screaming. Somebody help me! Bleeding, you bastards! Help! Put it down! Put it down, man! Mo! Come on! What's wrong with you? Get back! Mo! Come on now! I need this from you now, buddy. Come on, Mo! Elena, come look at his chest. He's bleeding. Could be his heart. It's not his fucking heart. Come on! Come on, Mo! Come on! Give him some air. I'm a doctor, goddammit! Mo! Oh, no! No! So Mo does die in the hands of Doc and Lana, and that causes Doc to freak out some. The conductor rushes the crowd that's now formed around Doc and Lana and gets them out of the place because they don't want to he doesn't really want them to see what's going on, and that also causes Doc to wonder exactly what has happened to Mitchie. Where's Mitchie? Where is she? She's dead. She's dead. What are you talking about? She's dead. Mitchie! 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 Getting out of here. Place yourself. We're going to lock up. Walter. My God, what's the matter with Walter? He should have hit the brakes. So the conductor goes to the front of the train to figure out what's going on with Walter. Meanwhile, we have Lana and Doc kind of left as a little bit of a mess here. When the conductor does go to the front of the train, he realizes that Walter and the other guy that was talking about trains and RVs with him earlier are no longer there and that they got to them as well. Uh, He orders the train basically to be slowed down and to be stopped, and then he manages to get everybody off the train because he wants to figure out who this killer is amongst the people that are all on the train. Uh, which 
The thing that's really weird at this point is when the train stops, and I don't know a whole lot about trains, I don't know about you, you can always DM me or whatever the fuck you want if you know this, but the electricity on the train just goes out the moment that they stop it, right? He gives everybody, like, an axe and tells us to go look in the train, here's an axe, but don't go off and be a hero, is basically what he's telling them. So don't, like, try to stop him if you see him, but I guess maybe that's for protection. Uh, Also, the lights are completely out on the train. Like, I thought that there would still be some type, like, you could just not have the train in motion, but maybe run, like, either more coal or something that would power the rest of the train for electricity, unless it's, like, the light on a bicycle where, you know, the more that you pedal it, then you get electricity, so only while the train is running, the electricity's there. That could be a possibility, but that would make it for a bitch for when you stop at, like, the station and try to get everybody off the train, and they can't see where the fuck they're going because everything is pitch fucking black. So, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but maybe it also was some type of strategy to find the killer or something. Oh, now you're in the dark, so, you know, you can't get away from us, even though that would be the perfect time to get away from you, wouldn't it be? On the outside, we have Doc and Lana talking, and Lana has kind of figured out what is going on with everybody, because she's figured out that now that Mo is dead, that Jackson is dead, that uh, Michi is dead, and that possibly Ed is dead, uh, that they may be the next targets of whatever is going on, and we get one of the really stupid, like, last-minute type of explanations of what the person's motive is. We know what Okay, we know it's Kenny. Okay, Kenny's come back and he's slowly killing everybody. This is not going to be a fucking surprise. The surprise really is who is fucking Kenny on the train, right? Because you really don't know up to this point, but you have an idea of who it could possibly be. But they haven't figured it out yet as characters. So she explains to Doc what the fuck is going on. And that's when he freaks out some more. Jackson! Jackson! If this turns out to be another one of your stunts... Hey, you there! Let go of it! To me! Kirby Green! Yeah! I want the rest of those masks off now! Very long there! Look, it's just all my best friends in the fucking world! Doc, what do we all have in common? You and me and Mitchie and the guys? Doc, we heard him! What are you talking about? Kenny Hampson! You're stunned with the corpse? Well, nobody do that for a goddamn prank. It wasn't just a prank. Doc, he was sick. I went to the hospital just afterwards. They wouldn't let me see him. They said he killed somebody before. And they said it might have been an accident, but he killed somebody. Shit. And we're next, aren't we? Come on. Okay, so all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, Kenny is a fucking, like, mental patient or some shit like that. Like, when he was admitted into the college, oh, he had killed somebody. How do you get into college? Oh, it's, it was an accident. Really? You still killed somebody. You still have maybe some type of criminal record. Even if you didn't go to jail, you still have whatever third degree, fourth degree murder or something like that. That should be a uh, charge to you. Oh, this was an accident. When did a person come out to you? Did a person like try to attack you? What was the reasoning why? And why aren't they going to let you see him? Because now he's become mentally unstable. See, he went and he turned into fucking Sailor Moon. And then he went all batshit fucking crazy and was never allowed back into the school. Even though he got injured. 
injured. So he wasn't injured from a perspective of being hurt, but being mentally unstable. Is that all we've got going on here? This makes no fucking sense, and it comes so goddamn late in the movie that there's nothing to really fucking explain it other than he's. this is one of the reasons why he's getting revenge on them, because maybe somebody else did something to him in the past, and he is now getting revenge on, on them like he got revenge on that other person, and he really killed them to kill him. So Doc grabs Lana and takes her back into the train before everybody else is allowed back into the train uh, and basically locks himself up with Lana in one of the, the rooms. I guess it's like a sleeper room or something like that. Like there's sleeper cars where people are just in bunks. And I guess this is like a bigger room where everybody can fucking sleep on. And of course, he has some of the right ideas by locking him in the, himself in there with her away from the killer. But at the same time, it's kind of fucked up why he's doing it. We are going to die unless we get some help. But I don't know who to trust anymore. I trust you. so slow. Presto change on the same little shit. Good old Kenny Hamps. I knew I never liked magic. Magician? Well, sit tight. When the train stops, we'll play a trick on old Kenny. The train has stopped. Well, then they better start it up again, because it's going to drive me crazy. He's back there with all of our friends. Let's hope so, huh? I don't believe you. He's going to kill everybody. We've got to tell them. I'm not moving. <laughs> So she gets the fuck out of there so that she can go tell the train conductor that the magician, yes, if you didn't think about that before, but that the magician is actually Kenny and he's the one that's been killing everybody. Uh, and Doc locks her out of the room uh, when they see somebody coming down the hallway, which happens to be one of the other conductors that's just searching the train. So it's <sighs> the next scene that happens, of course, is Doc's death. Now, there's something in here that happens that I'm kind of like 50-50 on because it it ruins something for me, but I know what they're going with because if you see in every scene so far that there's been a kill and the only one where you haven't seen somebody killed, well, two technically, the two scenes that you haven't seen anybody killed was Ed and Mo, right? You didn't see how it happened. All you know is that they were basically killed, well... You know, Ed got a sword through the stomach, but really, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say is that there are two that are here that kind of stick out a little bit more, uh, only as foreshadowing towards the end of the movie and who the killer actually is. And I think it kind of gets ruined a little more in this scene with Doc and how Doc dies because of who puts their hand on his shoulder. So in the Mitchie scene we see that Jackson's hand is used. And if you remember back in the beginning of it, when uh, it's hard on this podcast, because if I don't explain something in the medium and I forget something at that point, or I want to save it to this point, you don't have that visual, right? To see what was going on. But if you did watch it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's in the beginning when Kenny and Doc are talking to each other. And he's basically, before he takes him up uh, to the hill to get embarrassed by the corpse, he goes to have him shake his hand. And when he does, he pulls out a dead hand out of his jacket pocket. And that's when in the the audio it says, uh, is that thing real? And he says, the Pope Catholic. 
And that's what you get during the Mitchie thing, is you get the hand thing, right? And then with Doc, you also get the same thing. Now, it could be that he's using the hand from Mitchie, because what gets placed on his shoulder is a female hand, right? It obviously looks female in the way that it's done and the way that it's dressed up. But at the same time, it makes you think, is David Copperfield really the killer? And that is the question that you've got to think to yourself right now as we move into the rest of the movie. I don't want to... It's it's not the biggest twist in the world, and I got it at this point. There's a question I wrote down uh, that on, on my notes that I'm not going to say out loud because I want to still... If you, if you don't quite... If you figured it out by me just saying the thing with the hand, I still want to go through the rest of it because those are like, huh, is it going to be one way or the other? Um, I still want it maybe it's to still be a little bit of a surprise to you. But it's really weird. I don't know if I would have done that again or at least shown the hand, right? I might have just, because he runs around, he checks all the closets, makes sure, and then he thinks the killer is across the room, but the killer is really underneath the the table. I, but I think he's actually looking to a mirror, if I'm not mistaken, and sees the killer underneath the couch that he's sitting on, and when he tries to run away, he gets knocked down. No, no, it's not a mirror. He really thinks that the killer's on the other side. Of the, I don't fucking know. It could be one way or the other, but he gets tripped down on the ground, and then he gets his throat slashed uh, after the hand gets him on the shoulder. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's Mitchie's hand or it's supposed to be the killer's hand, um, but it's kind of one of those weird things where I feel like it ruins some of the suspense or some of the twist that comes on at the end of the movie. So uh, then from here after Doc has died, we then cut and we see that the magician and his assistant are talking to each other after everything has happened with everybody going outside, but then... David Coppersfield says something weird about staying in the car. God, it was cold out there. My feet are numb. I told you to stay in the car. Well, they made me get off. I mean, they had to search here. Oh, I'm sorry. Is something missing? Jeez, I was scared out there. I couldn't find you, and I'm thinking this wacko's going to jump out at me any minute. Hey, I should have used one of these. (laughs) Yeah, this would have done. What do you think? So we then see Lana, and she's talking to the conductor. She runs into him, and she basically tells him, it's the magician. Look, I can give you proof because it's in the book that Doc has that he showed her earlier when they were looking through, like I guess, like a yearbook type thing for the school. And I don't remember my college even having a fucking yearbook, and if they did, maybe I wasn't popular enough to be invited to purchase one. I don't fucking know. There's too many fucking people. It's only at these small little Ivy League fucking schools that any of this shit actually happens like that. Anyway, so... And in that book, too, when he saw the picture, uh, it showed that Kenny always wanted to be a magician, and that was a part of his page that was up there, Kenny the Magician. So that's how they figured out, oh, hey, it's act- that's actually Kenny, that's not David Copperfield. So he goes uh, to the front of the train with her, or wherever the, the train where the magician is, and he actually grabs the the assistant and pulls her out of there, the conductor does. And then they lock the magician into the room. He doesn't call back, and he figures that's because he doesn't want to really respond to anybody, and so they lock that whole room up, and he's no longer seen. Uh, Then they put 
Lana in the back so that she can relax and she can try to get some sleep after everybody's been kind of killed. And uh, at the same time, this causes a big crowd because I guess now loose lips sink fucking ships everybody and everybody on the train knows that the magician is the one that's the killer. And of course, this makes it so that they want to actually go after him. What did you say, boy? Let me through. Say that again. Let us through. Shut up, all of you. I said, move off, sir. You killed a couple of hours. You aim to kill him. Give me the axe. Before you go, you take a look at the bodies of some of your friends. Is it worth that, son? Well, is it worth it? Is it worth killing the guy that killed all of your friends? Like, is he saying basically is it going to be worth going to jail instead of letting him get whatever he gets because we're all going to testify against you if you go out there and you kill him? Is that what he's saying? Because honestly, in some situations, that might be fucking worth it, or you might be able to get off, or people are going to be like, no, he really didn't do it. I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about, because that guy deserved to fucking die. Is that the way that it's going to go? Fuck, I don't even fucking know. So, now we go back and we see that, you know, Lana, she's kind of sleeping all by herself. Nobody really watching her, what's going on. And of course, she gets attacked by the killer. He's now wearing some weird, like, Einstein type of mask or some shit like that. And he starts chasing her all over the place. There's a really, uh, it's not a funny scene. Like, he grabs her and starts choking her, slams her up against the door. And then as he's moving her down along the door, she actually hits her head on the back of the door. And you can hear the thump. Like, it's something that, like, they took multiple, multiple takes on this, and she hit it, and they're like, oh, that's the best take, we're just gonna use it, but she audibly is like, ow, and it's not like a fake, like, ow, it's a really, like, she really hurt herself doing this little scene, uh, and it's hilarious, and that's about one hour, 21 minutes, you can see that in there, um, and so he basically is, uh, you know, trying to choke her to death, she could just bite his hand, but she's able to actually get him off of her. Uh, she locks herself into a cage. He, you know, if he's the magician, he should be able to get into that cage with any fucking problem. But then he goes through the whole thing of, like, turning all the lights off. Like, she's in there, she's locked in there, and you're going to turn all the lights off so you don't know where you're coming from? Is that what it is? Because there's still plenty of light that I can fucking see you back there because you can't knock out the lights that are in the cage where she's at. You can only knock out the lights on the outside. Like, are you trying to make a false sense of security of where the fuck is going on? I don't know. So eventually, he does chase her around and chases her back to where the magician was. And honestly... With the magician, like, with, with with that thing, you locked the front door with the, the chains, right? But did you lock the back? Like, he could easily get out through the back. If this is the caboose, let's say, of the train, because of what happens next. I'm assuming that this is the caboose. But he could easily go out the back, climb around, climb on top, and then climb down wherever he fucking needs to go, right? It's that type of movie that I feel like that's going to be perfectly fine and perfectly obvious. But at the same time, like, 
we're just going to lock the front so we can't move further into the train through normal means. Like, I guess maybe you would hear him on the roof or something like that, but he could be really sly and stealthy. And I don't even know how, if he didn't go through that way, how did he get to where she was? Because he would have had to have gone through all these fucking people to get to that point to kill her. Like, it makes no sense. So he goes through, uh, they fight in the back room and eventually she knocks him off the train. And then the conductor comes over and grabs her and then goes and takes her back to go get, uh, some rest while they think that he's dead. And of course he's not. So she goes into the back and she sees one of the conductors that's sitting there, uh, on a chair and she kind of like rests down and then he grabs her arms and pulls her closer to him. And then it's revealed that 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 person that's there, that's not the normal conductor, that was like the brake operator or whatever he was, um, he is actually the killer. And he takes off the hat, he has a clear mask on, takes it off, and when he first removes the hat, you get the flowing golden hair. We cut over and we see the conductor see the magician stuffed into a box, and he is fucking dead. Uh, it's so ridiculous, and this is the twist in the film, is that he, the killer, Kenny, was the goddamn uh, assistant. Like, he'd been acting like a girl the entire time, uh, and this is like, I was afraid this was like some sleepaway camp type of bullshit, like he turned himself into a woman, kind of, or, or what's going on, and I'm sorry if I just ruined sleepaway camp for you, but... Like, that was the question that I wrote down. Like, at that point, when you saw the hand go on Doc's shoulder, I was like, it's not the magician. At that point, it definitely is the assistant. And did the assistant, did he go from Kenny to Carla, or where the fuck the assistant's name was? But no, he really was. He took off the wig. So he was just, he managed to make a perfectly fine-sounding female voice uh, that sounds very girly, as you heard in that scene. But I don't know if it's the same actor or not uh, doing that voice, or it's an ADR. I'm assuming it's an ADR that's going on with it because that sounds really really good because even drag queens that can do a good female voice still have a hint of male in it unless of course this is the crying game and but that voice was kind of gravelly too at the same time Um, oh and spoiler there so he basically goes into a long speech and what I like about what he does is that even though she shows regret at this point, he basically kind of calls her out on it at the same time. Kenny, I'm sorry. I never told you. I'm so sorry. You haven't changed. I saw your picture in the yearbook. I never knew you liked magic. I watched you tonight. You liked him. No. Kenny, you're better than he is. I'm sure you're better than him. I am. He didn't know how to cut a woman into pieces. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this, Kenny. Kiss me, Elena. Kiss me, Kenny. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me. And up to this point, everything has been. There have been some dumb things, but really, this middle section to the end has been actually kind of entertaining at this point. But now it gets even dumber. Uh, <laughs> how Kenny is uh, eliminated from this film is fucking retarded. 
I, I, I can't think of anything else to say. It's fucking stupid. It, like, this is the dumbest fucking thing that I've ever seen in any of these movies, like, so far, and really brought down a lot of it. It is dumb. It is, it is as bad as New Year's Evil in terms of, like, the way the villain is, because he actually kind of makes sense at this point, because he's like, look, you're still, like, he's obsessed with her, I guess, still, because all of a sudden she was kind of into David Copperfield's magician character, but he's like, I'm a better magician, so I should be with you, and maybe that's, like, what has kind of gone in his mind, fuck, I don't know, it just seems like they're adding something extra here that they don't need to fucking add, but at the same time, like, he's been an interesting, he's been able to get away, he's been able to clean up things in a fucking flash, like, all this stuff all amounts to him going in and she actually does kiss him and then all of a sudden he reverts to that fucking night and starts doing the spinny fucking tries to turn back into Sailor Moon again and then gets caught up in something else and the conductor shows up in time to fucking whack him in the head with like a two by four and make him fly off the train into a river like that's how he goes down he goes down the worst fucking way it's it could be so much better. He had everything down. He tricked everybody. He got the last person that he needed to kill. And then all because uh, he had like flashbacks to when that happened almost four fucking years ago. Or four fucking years ago, I guess, would be proper to say in this time. I, I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. You know, it, it makes no fucking sense to me. Like, why does this have to happen at this point? What what the fuck is going on with this? Like, have him struggle with her. Have him, like, choke her and then have the other guy come in and save the fucking day. Not, I'm gonna kiss you and then, oh my god, I can't believe it. I forgot I have to be Sailor Moon. And so I have to do my spinning thing and got caught up in something again. Why? Why? It makes no sense other than I'm just gonna fucking end the movie. And so the last scenes of the movie that you see is him floating down the river, the train fucking, you know, blowing its horn because now everything's finished, and then you get the fucking end theme of the movie. saying that this is a terrible fucking movie because honestly it's not bad i think the first 20 minutes are boring as fuck i think that from that 25 ish minute mark all the way up until the last 10 minutes of this movie 
are not terrible. It's actually pretty entertaining. It's got some good acting scenes in it. It does move a little slow, but it only has a runtime of like an hour and 30-something minutes. I think it ends at an hour 34 and you got two minutes of credits. So it's got a good runtime. It has a good middle. It has a very slow beginning. and But that ending just ruins so much shit for me that it makes me angry. Like, again, we have a killer that is methodical and he's done things right and he's not being caught and then he goes out in the worst way fucking possible what is up with new year's movies and this bullshit i don't get it i just don't get it but i still have to rate the movie after everything's been said and done so the gore i'm going to give it a three out of five it's decent it's got some good things it has kind of a shitty rolling head effect with doc because somehow his head got taken off too but there's some cool little things that are going on with some other people died. I enjoyed how Jackson was uh, shoved his his face got shoved into the mirror. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good kill. Um, you know, the some of the other things. Maybe it's more like a two because it's not super gory, but it has like some good little things. The things with the hands are kind of cool, and even the dead body in the beginning, which I should mention, is actually. When you see the side boob and full boob from Pet later on in the film, that's actually not the first time. I just don't want to talk about dead boobs when I'm talking about movies. But, like, that makeup was pretty good. So, yeah, I'll leave it at a 3 out of 5. I was almost going to talk myself out of a 3 out of 5. Crap Factor, it's a definitely right in the middle. It's a 3 out of 5. There's some bad performances. I think Doc goes a little overboard. Like I said, I think the beginning is pretty slow. But you have good... I love the fucking magic stuff in it that it just doesn't make it seem crappy it seems a little cheesy but it's not really that crappy and it's very entertaining and the fun factor in this film uh it's right down the middle too it's a three out of five i originally had marked it down as a two but like there are some good scenes in it uh there are some really good acting in it uh the magic is fucking magical and i think david copperfield actually does a pretty damn good job uh in his role in this film it's very entertaining to watch i think the twist itself was like i figured it out the moment that doc got killed i knew it had something to do with the magician way back when they said um you know we didn't hire the magician okay there's the first thing but it's also kind of a macguffin that they have going on with him and it's you know it's very well done, at least up until that point. Um, and, and the reveal could have been saved better than what they did. And it seems like, you know, a lot of horror movies that go into the last, like, 20 minutes of the film and all of it's like a giant chase scene. And a lot of this was, too, but it was still kind of entertaining. Uh, and this is but definitely an original setting. Like, I haven't seen anything. Like, the only other movie that I can say that I've seen on a train like this, too, Snowpiercer and Train to Busan. Uh, train to Busan is fucking fantastic, and I love the way they use the train and the zombies in that movie. And it's the same thing here. I kind of like the use of the atmosphere of the train, even though maybe they could have done a little more with it uh, and used a couple different areas. But I think at the time, it was very original for what it was doing. So overall... I'm going to give this three out of five magic peanuts. I think your mileage will vary with this film. Some are really going to like it. Some are not going to like it. I mean, it holds a four-star rating on Amazon, so a lot of people do really like this film. I just didn't think it was four or five-star worthy, or four or five magic peanut worthy, I should say. Uh, I really, you know, it was just middle of the road for me. It's not terrible. It's not great. If you've never seen it before... uh, you know, take your time, go ahead and watch it, but just know that the beginning is going to be really slow, and you could find something much more entertaining uh, if you don't want to, like, 
I don't want to say waste your time with the movie, but it has a good runtime. It's very enjoyable at the same time. So, what are we going to do next episode? Now, uh, hopefully it won't be delayed by a day like this one was. I do apologize that I'm releasing this on the 30th of 2017 rather than the 29th. Uh, but it just happened to be, and it's funny, the previous New Year's movie also got delayed by a day, I found out, uh, thanks to memories uh, on Facebook. But, uh, you know, maybe it's just going to be a yearly tradition. I release it the day before New Year's rather than, than the two days before New Year's. So I don't know. But we'll see. But uh, I digress. And our next film is also going to bring somebody into the terrible terror universe uh, that has not yet been heard on this podcast. And I'm very excited to do this movie. And this is actually, funny enough, I'm going to do this movie now. I don't want to wait a whole year to do it. But this is another New Year's movie. And if you have ever listened to the podcast, Everything I Learned from Film, which is kind of cool because they're also located in the same area that I'm in, um, they just recently did this film. And they did it right before me. But this has been on my schedule for the last like seven months uh, to do it. So without further ado, let's get in on some Arnold Schwarzenegger action. December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. He's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. Get down on the ground. You don't know what you've done. You said here the guy spoke to you. Yeah, so what? The guy doesn't have a tongue. Listen to this. I've seen the earth laid to waste. Take it easy. You're the good guys. They tried to kill me. Why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the dark angel consummates your flesh with this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, then he unlocks the gate of hell. Ah! I've come for my wife, Christine. May God forgive us! Let her go. How can you expect to defeat me? When I am forever, and you are just a man. Now we're in for a treat because this has got such people on the soundtrack as Guns N' Roses, Limp Biscuit, and many other new metal artists. Uh, 
I've been wanting to do an Arnold movie for a while. End of Days is probably one of my favorite cheesy Arnold movies that there is. So what the fuck? Let's go ahead and do it instead of waiting for next year at New Year's. An apocalyptic end of world type of movie. Uh, especially one that stars Schwarzenegger himself as a drunken uh, cop. It's very entertaining. Gabriel Byrne is fantastic in this movie, uh, even though he is a little hamming it up for it. You can find the movie on YouTube, Amazon, Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, all those places. A lot of them, they're just for rent, though. It's not uh, available free streaming anywhere that I can find it. I'm pretty sure that you can find it somewhere. Uh, it might be on your cable provider or your TV provider. They may actually have it available for you to watch, uh, you know, through your TV or wherever it is. So, so the first film of 2018 is going to be End of Days. Uh, as always, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, all the places that you normally listen to podcasts. Follow the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, Twitter at T underscore T underscore Podcast, Instagram Terrible Terror Podcast, uh, as well on the Horror Amino app. Uh, and I want to wish everybody a very happy new year. Thank you again for listening to my little shitty little podcast that I do every couple of weeks. Uh, I really appreciate everybody tuning in and spending their time with me. So happy new year. See you in 2018 and we'll see you next time with end of days.